Thank you for joining us for Inland Sessions, the podcast. Today we spend time with poet and painter Chantel Jackson, who is settled in Spokane, Washington, talking about how she explores her love of words and our communal need for healing through the powerful language of her poetry. Even the fragments you don't like, bring them into the fold and weave them in. Clear the wreckage and build with it. Together, we can make the wreckage something beautiful. Step outside of your insular facility. Go to the forest where trees fall, but because you are not there, you cannot hear them. They are falling. Go, listen, heal. Well, my name is Chantel Jackson, and um, let's see. I am originally from Buffalo, New York, and I've been in Washington for almost 18 years now. That's wild. Um, and if you were to see me perform, what you could expect is probably all the facet, or not all the facets, but the facets in which I am most passionate about. So anything from talking about current issues, anything about my personal experience, humor. I love humor. Um, and so I have some funny writings that I also like to share and just break it up because life is serious enough or maybe it's not that serious I don't know the jury's out but we have a lot going on so um, I don't want to bombard people with just like the issues and things I feel passionate about break it up with some humor so um, would you describe yourself as a poet or a slam poet or a spoken word performer or more than that or less than that? I like to say that I am a writer and a poet. Slam poetry, I can't memorize my poems, so <laughs> I think that disqualifies me a little bit. Spoken word, sure, but I, yeah, I think just poetry. When I first started writing many years ago, I think the form that I was most familiar with is poetry, just saying poetry. So, yeah. How did you discover poetry in your life? What was your first introduction that you remember? Uh, that I remember. The first, um, so my mom was very much um, into academics and learning, and I grew up in a household in which learning was important and valued and so um in positivity too right like not everything was positive but my mom um, as a kid I was pretty anxious and had a lot of fear and so she would give me like scriptures or little things to like it affirmed me so one of the first is this little uh bop I don't know if it's a bop but <laughs> a quote and it was good, better, best, never let it rest until my good becomes my better and my better becomes my best. And I think that's a quote by Jesse Jackson, but don't quote me. And I guess y'all listeners can look it up and verify or not. <laughs> um, and then one of my earliest memories of like really getting into poetry, um, again, my mom was, <laughs> I was learning all the time, y'all. Uh, so she made me go to the library, 
pick out a book in the summers and I had to do research and write a paper, which is wild. Like, you know, you want to be outside playing and stuff. But looking back, I value it because I was introduced to Langston Hughes. Um, And that was when I would read his poetry, short form, long form, like all the many forms that he did. It just resonated with me. And from there, I'm just like, I kind of want to get into this, these lines, like, how does this happen? And kind of painting a picture with words. And I was into it. And I just remember going through his books. And when I got old enough, I bought his poetry. And um, I learned a little bit more about the Harlem Renaissance and poets that came from that era um, and writers. So I would say at an early-ish age, I was introduced to words, affirmations, and Langston Hughes as kind of my first um, delve into poetry and wanting to do that myself. Words, affirmations, and Langston Hughes as kind of my first um, delve into poetry and wanting to do that myself. How old were you when you started really beginning to study poetry? So when I went to college, I think when I first started really getting into it, like I always had journals and I was always writing stuff. Um, But I would say in college, I took a poetry class and I learned Actually, that's not true. High school, we learn like automatopoeia and what that is. And I'm like, oh, I get to write a poem with because I love words. Right. So automatopoeia was already just like, what are we talking about? What is that? (laughs) Um, I want to do that. And so then in college, when I just kind of dove in and was like, okay, let's do it a rhythm. And and then learning that you don't have to rhyme in poetry. It can just be. It can be words that don't all rhyme. I think I tried to stick within that at first. Like, okay, I got to rhyme everything. It has to have that. But then when I learned, like, if you rhyme the first two lines, skip a line. And then I was just, like, obsessed with the technical side of it and creating works like that. So that is really when I dove in. Yeah. It takes a lot to find your voice. When did you know that you wanted to commit yourself to it as a creative act, as a part of your life. I always say um, moving to Washington was such a big gift for me, especially creatively. Um, And I won't or will nerd out. I don't know. I, I just use a lot of like references to figures and things like that. And so for me, Washington was really like this wilderness because I moved out here at 22 Um, working my first professional job, like fresh out of college. And I took a huge leap. I mean, I didn't have family or friends out here. I kind of had to build those things. But in that time, you know, it's quiet. Like when you're an adult, I mean, 22 is still young. And so figuring out adult friends and like, it was sometimes isolating and lonely. And so in those moments is where I did find my creative, more of my creative voice and leaned into it. I didn't always share. And fast forward, if went to a poetry slam, like, oh, people are out here doing this. Like, it's not as inaccessible as I thought. Um, Sometimes the arts feel so, like, big and out there when you're not doing it, Um, when you're not integrated into the community of whatever art form you, you are in. So I went to that slam and 
I like I'm shy I'm an introvert but I'm also the type that's like I could do that I want to do that and not in a competitive way or like I'm better than anyone it was just like that seems fun and one time I read a poem and people loved it and I was like okay wait a minute maybe maybe I'm on to something but people were always like yo I like I like what you write but I never I never shared it in that way you know I never like put it on social media. Back then, I think it was MySpace. (laughs) I think after I went to that first poetry slam, I was like, yo, I really want to do this more. I really want to be amongst people who use words in colorful ways. And, you know, again, painting these pictures using words. And since then, I've just kind of been writing and sharing. So until then, you'd actually been writing poetry kind of as a private act of creativity. Mm -hmm. Yep. What does it fulfill for you when you write poetry? Why do you need to do it? Yeah, for me, um, I think like many of us, many creatives, um, it really is the releasing of those internal things that sometimes we don't know how to or maybe don't have tools to allow them to be what they are, right? Like, for example... I used to like wear it as a badge of honor. I don't so much anymore because I'm older Um, and I'm just like, girl, all emotions are okay. But I did not cry. I'm just like, dang, that happened. I'm really sad about it. And I would like try to force a tear, like cry, (laughs) do something. And, you know, it just didn't happen unless it was just like really, really, it had to be really awful for me to like, outwardly express that emotion and so poetry for me is like the emotions that sometimes I feel like I can't access through how we cope so it's just a different type of coping I think we all have ways of coping and I think using words to describe how you're feeling and painting a picture for people and almost kind of leading people into the emotion like without just dumping a whole thing right but for me as someone who is like an introvert who processes internally who just has this colorful imaginative um, imaginative emotional world it's a way that I am able to release so I don't necessarily create it even as a visual artist for others however I share it in hopes that it help someone else release something or they see something or feel something or feel inspired to you know get into poetry or maybe another creative act of like I'm not into words but I'm into music or you know insert any other um, creative avenue. Did it feel like a big leap to turn that private place and share it with others and turn it over to others for their own inspection and introspection? Absolutely. Every time till this day, I think when I share my poetry, I'm still like, ooh, you're doing this. Because <laughs> it is like this, it's like a personal journal, um, but I've figured out a way to create it so that it is, um, I don't want to say palatable for others, because then that means I'm creating it for others, but uh, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Like it's it's a fun act of doing so in a creative way. Um, and it is always vulnerable every single time I do it. I'm just like, 
ooh, maybe I said too much. (laughs) (laughs) What were you taught uh, growing up about vulnerability? And how do you approach opening that vulnerability up and sharing it with others that way? Mm -hmm. Um, I think growing up, I was allowed to be vulnerable, um, which is, that's a good thing. Um, I don't think we all get that allowance depending on, um, you know, environments and things like that. And so at home, in some aspects I was allowed, I like, I feel like I have to give some background to, you know, paint a picture. Please do. (laughs) I was a sensitive kid. I was so sensitive. I was very just like everything would hurt my feelings. I mean, I have stories for days of like me just boo-hoo crying because of what someone said. And that's where my mom would come in with affirmations. It's a joke now, you know, me and my mom, she's like, girl, when you would skin your knee, it was like, <laughs> she, you know, she was just like, you were so dramatic. Like, I mean, I did have that drama. Like I was able to cry and you know be vulnerable in those ways yeah I I think that's pretty much that that's what there is to it I was allowed to be vulnerable Um, I don't know that I was necessarily taught but it was always combating the ugly painful things with kind of affirmations and things of that nature so learning that also like okay they said that and now you cried your tears and now here we go to fight another day I don't want to pry or anything, but I definitely I'm interested in that transition that that you went through, because earlier you also said that for as an adult, it was hard for you to cry, even Mm -hmm. though you wanted to, even though you felt like you needed to. Mm -hmm. If you could kind of describe the journey from open to close Mm -hmm. to reopening. That's not something that I've thought about. I think certainly growing up, I mean, I had my mom who was a positive role model and, you know, I was raised and, you know, I had good people in my corner. My village was good people. However, I wasn't always like at home. You're in other environments, right? Like you're in school environments, you're in church environments. And I think you learn how to just kind of get tough skin. Like, um, I'm just not going to let that bother me. I'm not going to let that affect me, right? And you get older and you're just like, I don't have time to cry. And I think as a child, it's, you know, babies, children, they do what they do because they don't have any context of the world, right? And I think when you get older and start to recognize, like, more context and life really does move on, um, you just make it a part of your or for me, I made it a part of my internal world and not so much external because we don't got time for that. <laughs> we don't <laughs> got time. You know, like somebody said this, like we just don't have time. Like the next thing, we're moving on. And so I think just learning that life goes on. We don't, you know, we're not going to wallow in whatever it is. And so I think with age, you just, you get that way. And so I think it was an aging thing. I don't know if there was like one event specifically that just like shut me down, but I think being in different environments and different circles, like, you know, not everyone is open to vulnerability, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like I was raised in the church, and so you can be vulnerable, but it is also a place of 
and we're going to pray and everything's better. You know, as you're aging, growing up, no one necessarily teaches you those parts, like the more experienced parts of living or messages that you receive. So I don't know if that was maturing that, you know, shut that down. I think it is kind of unfortunate that in whatever way, depending on, again, where we are in our environment, that we feel like we have to shut that down. And I think that is a common experience for a lot of people. I think it has made me into the creative that I am. I mean, I've always been creative, but just being able to really tap into those parts that um, are sometimes difficult for us to be vulnerable with other people about because we just don't know how they'll respond. Going back a little bit, but learning to that Sometimes people are uncomfortable by vulnerability, like when you're sitting across from someone. Um, And so it is like that fine balance of it's okay to be vulnerable, also asking permission to be vulnerable, again, depending on the space and things like that. So, yeah. Is there a central heart to the poetry that you write? Yeah, I would say healing. I, I think, like, healing is just so important Um, and I feel like there is a shift uh, in our culture to focus on healing internally and I think once we can heal our internal worlds we're also healing like the external and the things around us. I just think healing is so important. We just can't be as effective as humans, as neighbors, as spouses, as parents, I mean, whatever it is, like, if we're not working on those healed spaces, you're just not 100%. Take the sum of us and divide it by class, race, ability. The result is the haves and the have-nots, the rich and the poor. Take that same number and divide it by race. The result is black and white, then take black and white and divide it by more races. Keep dividing the races until you reach the desired result. Divide the sum of us by religion. Keep dividing until you've reached the desired result. Take that same number and divide it by him and her, they and them. Divide and divide more. Us versus them, divide more. Keep dividing until all that are left are wreckage and fragments. The sum of us divided against itself. The result is one. We can divide and abide against ourselves, but the result is one. We are one. So take the fragments, weave them together. Take the fragments, clear the wreckage, sacrifice yourself for ourselves. Don't you know we are better together? Weave through the pain with bloodied fingers, tired eyes, and broken bodies. Keep weaving for the reality that we are better together. Even the fragments you don't like, bring them into the fold and weave them in. Clear the wreckage and build with it. Together, we can make the wreckage something beautiful. Step outside of your insular facility. Go to the forest where trees fall but because you are not there, you cannot hear them. They are falling. Go, listen, heal. And so I think the heart of my work is healing and 
we do that by um, being vulnerable, talking pointed truths, the things that are like, we don't want to talk about that no more. Like you've had your time. And I think we see that in our nation right now, the things that we don't want to talk about, the things we want to overturn. And I think because we haven't dug in, we haven't acknowledged, we haven't put healing as a focus to really help us be better. And I can go on a whole thing, so I won't. So the heart is healing. And how we heal is we have to expose what feels uncomfortable, what feels vulnerable. We have to acknowledge, we have to forgive. And in order to forgive, we have to be able to heal. So I think all those things kind of wrapped up in there. Let's get back to the actual um, kind of meaning of your creative works and its place in your life. Because I'd like to know how it felt when you first got up and decided to perform some of your poetry mm-hmm. that you weren't alone. So I'm going to sound like a weirdo. and Or an, I don't know. <laughs> not Maybe not a weirdo. But I don't. Not contradicting myself, but number one, when I first read, I was nervous. And when I always read, I'm always nervous. Like, I just have nerves. And so I think for me, like, getting the feedback, I'm like, okay, I'm doing something okay. Like, it was received. And I also had to balance that, though, because if that was my only driving factor, then I would not be in alignment with what I initially said, right? Like I create for me and which is true. So I think just having that balance always, and I've definitely fallen into the trap of like, what will they say? Like, should I do this thing or write this thing this way so that it is, you know, this or that. And I, um, I don't know if all creatives, you know, face that, but I have to, Um, remind myself and ground myself in the fact that I create for me so even if it is or is not received um, I would say now it's more about like the quality of it so if one person is like yo that really resonated we can have a conversation and that means something to me that feels good right not necessarily like yo Everyone is like, yo, that's so good. That's so good. That's so good. Right. I I don't Mm -hmm. know if that makes sense. I think it's just like that. The fact that I could relate to one other person or open up those conversations like that feels good versus don't get me wrong. If people tell me I'm a dope poet like that feels good, too. You know, (laughs) so anyways, I think it's just the balance, just keeping it in balance and grounding myself in the truth of why I create. What does it feel like to step on to the Inland Session stage to bring your work to the mm-hmm. KSPS PBS audience? Yeah, yeah, it was super cool. I was like, me? And then once I got closer, I was like, 30 minutes of poems. And uh, doing it, I was like, ooh, girl. <laughs> and after, I was utterly exhausted. I was like, I just bore my whole soul for an hour to. <laughs> I hope it comes across like I hope it I hope it reads well do you feel like your poetry is revealing do you think that if people read say you know 40 of your poems they might know you pretty okay um or at least 40 facets of you um I think they might know themselves better because I I feel like if it resonates with you um I liken it to 
like music, like on my way over here, I was listening to an artist and she was singing and I'm like, I know this is her work, but she is singing to me. Like this song is for me. That's what that's what I that's what I hope. I mean, um, I don't know if they would maybe, maybe they would know me better, but I do feel like we tend to like focus on ourselves and see how it relates back to us, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's the part of creativity too, or a part of creativity too. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe they might know me a little more. They might be like, okay, she kind of funny. Oh, she kind of serious. Oh, that's kind of sad. Like, yeah, so maybe a little bit. Maybe a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess of what I share, right? <laughs> like, there's some stuff I probably won't share, and, you know, that's just for me and my books, my little journals. So of what I share, there's some parts people would know better. What makes you decide what where that line is for you of what you're willing to share and what you're not? What helps you define that for yourself? Mm-hmm. Because um, it's a big well of vulnerability you're digging into probably every time you write. Yeah, seriously. Um, I think those parts of me that I am expelling or really trying to grapple with that I've maybe not come to the conclusion of it of that part of like ooh, still feels too like mm, that's too much that's too I don't want people to know those parts just yet not to say that it won't ever it's just that I'm not ready um for those parts yet so um yeah it's it's the parts that I'm still like grappling with maybe or trying to find my voice or my feeling around it or a conclusion. And I'm, I mean, I'm still learning, I'm still growing. And so, um, maybe it's not that deep. Maybe it's just like, you know, I just (laughs) a few minutes ago was talking about vulnerability and how important it is. Um, but there's still some hidden pieces that I'm not ready for yet. Yeah. Welcome home. Lovers make homes of one another. Let us make a home of one another. Shelter, safety, strong, steady, sacred foundation. We let our hair down. We settle in. We settle into ourselves, physical embodiments of home, physical embodiments of love actualized. It's a place we belong. We leave houses for home. It's where we climb mountains to actualize love. We stand atop the summit of our love, sunset, starshine, sunrise. There we are, home, love. We proof ourselves for surely storms will come. We will weather storms from foundations built long ago. We are built to last, fortified, love actualized. Welcome. Home is you. Home is me. We are home. Do you have any advice for anyone who might be writing at home and haven't decided whether they're ready to perform or even go to hear other people perform? Maybe they don't even know Mm -hmm. that's a thing they can do and that it's accessible. What would you tell them to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say if you are maybe trepidatious 
sometimes the best way to do it is to kind of go, you know, see what's out there. I know there's open mics around the city. There are other places where you can go just be a part and see what people are doing. Take advantage of those opportunities if that's what you want. You know, I think sometimes as creatives, like we all have ego, right? So it's like, well, nobody heard my poetry. It's like, well, did you share your poetry? I mean, <laughs> so I feel like if you if you want it, you you do have to be willing to step out a little bit. And so maybe the first step is just going to an open mic and seeing what's happening. See how it feels for you. Um, do you like it? Do you still want to do it? If you just want to be at home and writing in your journals, computers, typing, and that's what you want to do, that's great. But if you want to go beyond that, you do got to gotta work a little bit and do some research and figure out kind of what are the things and opportunities that are out there that I might be able to partake in um, because it won't necessarily fall in your lap. So <laughs> you might have to give a little bit. Has it been worth it? It has been worth it. I don't think I would have known what I was capable of, what I was capable of writing, how I was able to be able to expand my voice without, you know, hearing other folks and then being able to, you know, jump into the world of poetry and who's out there, who's reading and, you know, what's happening, not only in the region, but across the world or, okay, in the country, <laughs> across the country, and maybe in across the world. Like I listened to um, Padraig Otuma has a podcast and it's all poems like he's reading poems and dissecting them and so you do get to hear poetry from all around the world so um just knowing what's out there and being able to be inspired by people who are just like walking in and living in their passion I love it I love to see it um so yeah it has totally been worth it well it's been so wonderful to have you in Chantel thank you so much Thank you. Is there anything else you would like to say today now that there's a, while there's still a microphone shoved in your face? Um, <laughs> I don't think so, which usually if I got a mic, I'm going to talk. But yeah, I thank you so much for having me um, and allowing me to share and, um, you know, like in sharing in that way. So very thoughtful questions and whatnot. So yeah, this is a great dope experience. And I loved it. Well, we appreciate it so much. We know that it's a lot of hard work to bring that kind of work to us. Thank you so much. You have been listening to a KSPS production recorded in Spokane, Washington. For more information about Inland Sessions, to watch back episodes, or if you'd like to learn how your support of KSPS, PBS, and public television turns into more great programming that explores local arts and culture while promoting civic health and lifelong learning, please visit ksps.org. Thank you.